the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. Yes, welcome to the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined as always with Bob the Phenom Williams. How's it going, guys? And of course, the guy pressing the buttons, the amazing Pod Severns. Hey guys, uh, good to be here this week. We're, we have a new format for you. Hope we hope you guys like it. We're going to split the show into two episodes throughout the week. We actually noticed that we hadn't changed anything significant in the last two weeks, and we figured it's time to shake something up again. Right, because why not? You know, got to figure out what works. We're going to start off with this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories from the internet from every day of the past week, and our host will give a short comment on each of the days. On Wednesday, there were a couple stories. Portland Trailblazers center Greg Oden out for the season because of knee injury. What do you guys think, Bob? Uh, this is just unfortunate, especially since he was the number one overall pick and supposedly uh, the cornerstone to to a franchise who now with uh, Brandon Roy's injuries is kind of up in the air. Yeah, he's always seemed like a likable guy. If there's anybody in the NBA you never wanted to see anything like this happen to, it's got to be Greg Oden. That being said, it's hard to imagine a life with a healthy Greg Oden at this point. Also on Wednesday, Reggie Bush of the New Orleans Saints plans to return on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, this would be a whole lot more of exciting news if Reggie Bush was half the player he was expected to be coming out of college. But as it is, I, I, I don't get too excited about Reggie Bush either way anymore. Yeah, after the fact, we found out that he really didn't play. And it really didn't matter because the Saints are definitely a playoff team. Keep him for the playoffs and, and use him as the uh, one of the best decoys in the NFL. On Thursday, Felix Hernandez of Seattle Mariners wins the AL Cy Young Award. This from ESPN. Bob? Yeah, no, this is actually very interesting. Throw out his record of 13-12, and 12, and, and it kind of pushes more towards the new school of sabermetrics and how it's more than just winning and losing that makes the great pitcher. Yeah, this is a huge win for baseball geeks in general. I don't know that uh, when they invented rotisserie baseball that they ever expected their new statistic that they invented whip to actually be a determining factor in a Cy Young award race. Also Thursday, NFL Eagles to be energy self-sufficient from Green Tech CNET News. Matt. Seems like every time you turn on the news, there's something about somebody else doing something to be green. All in all... It's great, they're green, awesome, but I don't really care that much. I'm going to be honest. Uh, actually, reading the article, do they come up with a cool idea of how much money these NFL organizations, just the Eagles alone, can make from this? So maybe this will actually help put that money back in- into the, uh, I don't know, lowering the tickets costs, things of that nature. Maybe it'll help the fans out. And on Friday, NCAA rules Kansas freshman Josh Selby can play in December. Bob. How many times does a, a freshman or, or even an NCAA athlete has to get in trouble by talking to the wrong person, accepting the wrong stuff? You know, honestly, at this point, you should learn just, just keep with your immediate family until you get into the NCAA or until you get to the pros. Yeah, Selby coming back in December to me is kind of bittersweet if you're Kansas because 
he comes back in time to play, but I don't know if, as a freshman coming in if he's going to be able to gel and fit into the roster as well as they need him to by the time March rolls around. And ultimately, he's he's a type of talent that may only spend one half season at Kansas and bolt for the pros. Also on Friday, Tennessee Volunteers coach Bruce Pearl suspended for the first eight SEC games. Matt, what's your take on this? Bruce Pearl, this has been kind of an interesting story as it uh, as it's developed. The University of Tennessee actually no longer has Bruce Pearl on contract. He has had a word-of-mouth agreement to coach his games, so at any point in time, the University of Tennessee can let him go with no repercussions. Uh, it would be kind of interesting to see that happen because this Volunteers basketball program has been nothing before him and can presumably be nothing after him. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the SEC in basketball. You gotta hold on to one of your power programs, which uh, SEC or Tennessee really isn't a power program outside of Kentucky. There isn't much there, so yeah, I, I don't see them getting rid of him anytime soon. On Saturday, Minnesota Vikings activate wide receiver Sidney Rice. Bob, you mean this is a story about someone actually coming back, someone who could actually help the team? Too bad that their season's already under the bus. Yeah, we all know that this didn't help too much. Sidney Rice scored exactly zero touchdowns as the Vikings scored exactly zero touchdowns in a backbreaking loss to the Green Bay Packers. I believe I had this on last week's podcast, by the way. I said 42-7, to they're going to lose, and Childress is going to be fired. It was 35-3, to but I think that's close enough. I think it is close enough. I think that the scenario that you were describing perfectly played out and uh, kind of funny to see it happen. Also Saturday, Michigan QB Denard Robinson sets two NCAA records. Tell us a little bit about these records, Matt. Well, he set a record for most rushing yards by a quarterback and also to become the first player in NCAA history with 1,500 yards rushing and 1,500 yards passing in one year. All of these very impressive stats. It's just too bad the Michigan defense is so terribly, terribly bad so as to ruin this spectacular season for Denard Robinson. Yeah, you, you summed it up perfectly there. If it wasn't for their defense, you could see Denard Robinson being the alternate to Cam Newton as being the runaway Heisman. Sad situation for him, but good for him all, all in the same. The fact that they're bowl eligible and he's a great athlete. Come on, the defense isn't that bad. They just they just struggle with ball carriers who move and quarterbacks who throw. Yeah, maybe Rich Rod shouldn't have uh, hired Greg Robinson. Moving along to Sunday, Derek Jeter's agent says that the New York Yankees' negotiating strategy is baffling. Bob, are you baffled by the strategy? I'm baffled by his agent. Why? Why? I know the New York Yankees have a a cash cow in their organization, just in general. But who else is bidding here? They they don't need to definitely overpay for Derek Jeter, and I don't see Derek Jeter really looking to bolt New York. So this this is just a puff piece almost. Yeah, not wanting to pay a baseball player on the downside of his career big time bucks to play until he's forty, forty one, forty two years old. I don't find that baffling at all. I think it's about time these guys just pony up the table and agree to that three-year, four-year deal that the Yankees are offering because nobody wants to see Derek Jeter strutting around at 42. Also on Sunday, Jimmy Johnson wins the fifth straight NASCAR Sprint Cup. This is unprecedented. No? 
It's it's beyond unprecedented. It's uh, a it's, football coach and a star of Survivor goes and wins a race car race. This is awesome. Wins a lot of them, apparently. Apparently, that it, is one just freaking <laughs> energetic old dude, man. The the part about this that kills me is I've been hearing for years about how NASCAR is such this big sport and they came into this week on weekend with an ideal scenario where two of their top drivers were all three in a position to win the Sprint Cup championship, depending on how this race finished out, and they still tanked in the ratings. Jimmy Johnson wins his fifth. Ultimately, dynasties aren't necessarily good for sports because I think that Jimmy Johnson's dominance over the last five years means poor ratings for NASCAR. Yeah, I think this might actually have the uh, opposite effect that Tiger Woods had on golf, and how he went through in the early 2000s and just won everything and pretty much brought people into to understanding and, and kind of paying attention to golf where this is kind of like ho-hum. We want to see something different. To be fair, the Sprint Cup you know, is a point-based system that's really done at the end of the season, and it doesn't necessarily um, – say anything to the driver's dominance for the whole year. Uh, they get points for a lot of things. Finishing races is one of those things. And, um, you know, I know personally from being a Kyle Busch fan, who Kyle Busch is actually somebody that um, is a driver that takes risks. So he's won a lot of races this year, but when you don't finish a race because you crash, because you try to spin somebody out, or you take that risk, you're not going to be up high in the Sprint Cup standing. So ultimately you're saying that, you know, Jimmy Johnson plays it safe and knows, you know, he knows the system, I think, enough to win. But like you guys said, it's kind of ho-hum for the sport when you have the same people winning it. The Sprint Cup, uh, just in how it's set up, in my opinion, is something that may need revised. I think there's another big difference here between the Tiger Woods scenario and this is that I don't know that you ever see golfers, with the exception of Tiger Woods, who get things like Padrog Harrington tattooed on the back of their neck because people in NASCAR are crazy about their their guy, their driver, and if it's not their guy winning, the interest gets down, get drops. Right. Now that, by the way, this right here is the longest we will ever spend talking about NASCAR on this show. Yeah, that's right. Did you know that the average racer loses about five point five pounds of water, five to ten pounds of water during a five hundred mile race? I smell a NASCAR diet solution right there. That's right. I think we just need to put fat people in hot cars and just shoot them 200 miles an hour for about 500 miles. I'll tell you what. I'm driving to Charlotte tomorrow. I'll test it out. You got to do it making nothing but left-hand turns. <laughs> left-hand left hand turns burn more calories. That's right. But you also probably, if you ever sit on one side, you ever get that muscle in your back that's just all messed up? Yeah, I'm sure that happens after a NASCAR race. You wonder why these guys walk like they're bow-legged. We're going to go get so get beat up. <laughs> I ain't scared. I am. <laughs> My dad's a NASCAR fan, but I don't think he listens to the show. Moving on. Yes, moving on. <laughs> on Monday, Vince Young of Tennessee Titans frustrated by lack of coach's confidence. Bob. Unfortunately for Vince Young, he really hasn't done much this year. Uh, Tennessee, thankfully, has had one of the better rushing performances out of uh, Chris Johnson, and even Kerry Collins has done a serviceable job. So 
it's almost a maturation process here for Vince Young. He he needs to buck up and realize that he's an NFL quarterback and he needs to start playing like it. You know, my first instinct here is to just look at the situation and think that Vince Young is the young guy who doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't have his mind right, isn't isn't doing what he needs to do to get prepared on Sunday. But then I look back and and I remember Jeff Fisher and the way that he made his uh, departure with. Steve McNair and the the way that he was treated at the end of his tenure and I'm I'm not 100% sold on the fact that Vince Young is being done right by this uh, by this organization anymore. No, well, maybe maybe it's time for him to you know see what else is out there because I'm assuming some other teams can use him. Also on Monday, Richard Seymour fined twenty five thousand dollars for striking Ben Roethlisberger. What do you think, Matt? I'm pretty sure if he were to take up a collection plate in Cleveland, Ohio, they would pay his fine uh, with ease. I would um, send five bucks right now if he had a PayPal button on his webpage. Absolutely, it was it was uh, it was it was fun fun video to watch. Uh, just the the uh, arrogance of of Roethlisberger as he confronted him and the sheer effortless smackdown that Richard Seymour laid it was on. A it was a cold thing of beauty. cock thing of beauty. It was. It was beautiful. Apparently the NFL didn't think so. Well, the NFL doesn't think of a lot of things. They don't like personality. But uh, honestly, I, I don't know what was going on in Roethlisberger's mind, but Seymour is a big guy. Like, what, what, what are you doing? He, he's definitely going to try to defend himself. So I don't know. He probably thought he was in the... Uh... I'm safe because I'm a quarterback zone and forgot that the play wasn't going on anymore. So I don't know. I I just think he put him in his place. If you watch the video, which I looped several hundred times, it was uh, it was nice. We should gift that. We should. We should put it right on the uh, main page of the website. On the Facebook page. Gif it. I like it. Let's gif it. And rounding the week off on Tuesday – New York Jets' Darrell Rivas is an average corner. This coming from old man Terrell Owens. Uh, I, I won't go that far. I think it's just, hey, look, he's running his mouth because they're playing on uh, next week on Thursday. So he gives a little bit more to their matchup because you know he's going to be covering him or getting covered by him. Rivas has been hurt most of the year or, or off and on this year. So he's definitely not had a, a good year coming back f- from a contract holdout. Yeah. I'd have to say Owens has a valid point. Oh my God. Did I just say that? Yeah. He's got a valid point. Uh, Revis has not been the stellar Revis Island, uh, amazing MVP caliber player this year that he was last year, but don't read into that too much Terrell, because uh, you may, you may get the advantage this week, but Revis will be back. He'll be the guy he was last year again. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of look at this as Terrell Owens kind of stealing a little bit of Ocho Cinco's thunder down there in in uh, Bengal country. He's, first of all, catching some of Ocho Cinco's balls and doing a little bit better than a lot of us thought at the beginning of the season. And this is kind of Ocho Cinco-esque, you know, kind of – be the prankster, be the say things before the game starts to rile him up. Yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, in the past, in the past, Owens has only ever talked trash in the media to his teammates. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I think he's kind of learning, you know, the good the good way to smack talk, and that's not against your teammates or your coach. <laughs> 
And also on Tuesday, Joe Paterno plans to coach Penn State until the year 2089. I'm sorry, 2011. 2089 sounds about right at this point in time. I I think that guy's cologne is formaldehyde. Yeah, you could be right. You could be right. Don't get me wrong. Everybody loves Joe Pa. He's he's legendary. He's iconic. He is all those things that you expect of Joe Pa, whatever. He's Yoda, but white. At at this point in time, I think that the assistants are doing more of the coaching in the game than he is. Half the time he's up in the booth, half the time he's out on the sidelines, he's breaking his leg and getting pneumonia. And I I think for the sake of the organization, it's better if Joe Pa steps aside. And for the sake of Joe Pa, I think it's better that Joe Pa steps aside. Yeah, I definitely agree that he needs to step to the side or we will be seeing him in a Futurama episode very soon as a talking head. (laughs) <laughs> but he's not—he's not doing anything good for the or, for the college universities by staying there right now. They only have four recruits signed, which is a huge deal considering it's almost December and the signing day is the first of February. Yeah, they'll pull some more people, but who really wants to go to Penn State knowing that you're playing with a crazy old man on the side? I don't know. Please step aside. Yeah, and and it hurts because it hurts because he's obviously he's dealing with a short stick in this part of his career. Hey, leave his stick out of this. <laughs> obviously, at this point in his career, he's dealing with a short time frame. So when you're being recruited by him, you got to wonder: Is he going to be there for one year, two years? You 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 feel pretty confident at this point that he's probably not going to be there for all four, right? That's going to wrap up our weekly rewind. <laughs> That's right. Our weekly rewind. Uh... Make sure you tune in for the Sports on Point podcast, episode 29 this week. 29. Yes. It'll technically be 30 because now we've done two episodes in a week, but hey. We're going to be talking Greg, o- Greg Oden and his Les Miserables career. Les Miserables. Football at Wrigley Field. Oh, wait, that wasn't such a good idea. Does the Big East really deserve an automatic BCS bid? No. Come on, don't give it away, Matt. We want them to download the other episode. Oh. And finally, we're going to wrap it off with baseball awards. That and much more with our Sports on Point weekly podcast. This has been our weekly review. Bye. You're going to have to edit the hell out of that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>